Hey, welcome to the Trapital Podcast. I'm your host and the founder of Trapital, Dan Runcy. Today we're switching things up a little bit. You're not going to listen to a Trapital interview, but you're going to listen to an interview from my friends at the Music Business Podcast. This is a podcast that brings you the trends, tactics, and insights from some of the world's most innovative minds in music. It's hosted by Jordan Williams and Sam Heisel. Jordan is an artist, manager, and consultant, and Sam is the co-founder of Knox, which is a music marketing and content production agency. They've had a number of great guests, and they have great chemistry and rapport, too. Their podcast is always fun. It's always a really great listen, and this episode especially is a good one. They interviewed Charlene Bryant, who is the manager for Trippy Red, and she's since used the success from Trippy Red to launch her own management company called Riveter Management. Her career has been a fascinating story. She actually went to school to start off as a pediatrician, and then she got into music, and now she's managing one of the biggest stars in hip-hop. And I think this is especially relevant for folks reading Trapital because Trippy Red isn't someone that I've covered a lot. But I think that because of that, there's a good opportunity to learn a little bit more about him as an artist and what it's like to manage someone like that, especially some of the younger rappers in the generation now who are quickly rising up the ranks and competing with many of the people that are seen as the superstars in this industry. So I hope you enjoy it. And make sure that you check out the Music Business Podcast. It's Music Business Podcast and is available wherever you get podcasts. And here's a conversation they had with Charlene Bryant. Whether you're an aspiring music business professional or a seasoned vet, every Thursday, the Music Business Podcast brings you the trends and tactics from some of the world's most innovative minds in music. I'm artist manager and consultant Jordan Williams. And I'm Sam Heisel, co-founder of the music marketing and content production agency, Knox. We're not teachers. We're entertainment industry professionals, drinkers, wannabe comedians, and most importantly, fans. Welcome to the show. Yo, what's up, Sam? How you doing, man? What's good, bro? Super excited about today's episode, man. Tell us what we got. Today, man, we have Charlene Bryant. She's Trippy Red's manager, and she's owner of Riveter Management, a cool, unique management company that she started off the back of Trippy Red's success. So today we get into a lot of different things. Trippy Red's obviously had a super great career so far in the past year or two. I had a super great career since she started managing them. Um, a love letter to you four hit number one on the Billboard 200 when it came out last December. So we dive from front to back the story of how that happened, the things that had to take place in order to to build Trippy Red up to that level of success, her relationship with Trippy Red, which I think a lot of people will benefit from because obviously like relationships between manager and client differ between each person. But I think she has a really unique, honest and openly confrontational um, approach to, to management that just derives the best results. Um, so it's, I'm super glad we got to get into it. So I think she was charismatic the entire time. Um, there's a lot of laughter and a lot of insight in this episode. So I'm excited for people to hear it. What yeah, do you think, man. Sam? yeah. I mean, I also really enjoyed her experience working in the, the label side. Uh, she definitely spent some time working with, uh, as a digital account manager for Sony and RCA prior to starting Riveter. Um, so I think, her experience working on the label really set her up to succeed as a manager. And I feel like the insight she shared in regard to that was really valuable. She also went to school to be a, become a, a pediatrician, but now manages like a superstar act. So I think it's for anybody that wants to get into management, like there's no black and white formula to make it happen. And I think she just proves that point and now is doing it, kind of managing at the highest of levels. 
Um, the last thing I really like too is how critical she met, uh, kind of spoke to the fact how Trippy Red himself has very clear goals and that has set up their relationship for success. So I think whether you're a manager or you're an artist, being able to make sure that you have very clear and vocal goals is what, how you're going to be able to work backwards and reverse engineer success. So I found all that stuff to be super valuable. And there it is. There you have it. So without any further ado, let's jump into this week's episode with Miss Charlene Bryant. Let's do it. Charlene, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Good, good. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate y'all. Yeah, no, definitely. Very excited about this episode. Um, So I I think for starters, I I know you've been working in music for a while and have kind of bounced around between different labels and different genres. But if you could just talk about how you kind of made the jump. And and I think there's a lot of people that listen that always uh, maybe working for a label, but want to start their own management company. Like, can you talk about that that step and what it was like kind of making that leap to kind of becoming self-employed and running your own business? Yeah, it actually is a very interesting story. Um, I just remember I had been working for Trip for about six months and I was working full time at Sony as a digital account manager. So I was spearheading like, you know, Spotify, Apple Music, all those accounts. Mm-hmm. And I just came in initially when I started working with Trip just to kind of like open the lines of communication between him and the label. Cause he had gotten into some trouble and everyone fell off the face of the earth. So I was just coming in to clean stuff up. I was only going to consult for maybe, I don't know, three months was, I was like 90 mm-hmm. days and then we're good. I'm going to go back to my regularly scheduled career. And, um, so I'm six months in and I'm like, okay, I got to make a decision. And I'm sitting in a conference room and everyone's going around the table and they're talking about one of the questions that was posed was, you know, um, in the Christian space, releases are very cyclical. Like you come out with a release every two years. And Mm -hmm. I was like, so people don't want to worship Jesus in between that two year (laughs) cycle. Like I just noticed in hip hop, like hip hop, there's mixtapes. And that was the year that Ariana Grande dropped sweetener in the summer And then Thank You Next came out in December and went Uh wild. So I'm like, so Pop is now doing mixtapes, but like we don't do that in hip, like we don't do that in um, Christian and gospel. So I was wondering why. So that was one of the questions that was posed at the table. And everyone said that they were down. And then when it came time to unpack it, which I was really happy because a lot of times in that space too, um, people are set in their ways and they want to do like their, what they go through, like we do it this way and this is why. So anywho, um, I'm sitting in the boardroom and then the conversation shifts and everyone that went from, yes, we would do a mixtape in this space, all of a sudden said, no, now we don't think it's a good idea. We need to stick to the two-year cycle. And I'm like, yo, sitting there and I'm like, (laughs) there's no growth. There's no development. Uh I felt like I hit the ceiling. I'm literally just looking up in the sky like, why am I here? Mm -hmm. And then I look down and Trippy is FaceTiming me. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get up from this meeting. I'm going to see what he wants. And so I answer the call. I go in another room, answer the call. And he's just spouting off ideas about his next project, future things that he wants to do. And I'm like getting jazzed up and excited about it too, because, you know, he's super excited. And this is just an exciting time for both of us. And he looks at me and goes, well, you have to quit your job and you got to move to LA. And I was like, okay, done. So I put in my notice the next week and that was it. Like that was my, 
it was almost like I was waiting for a divine moment to happen. And in that conference room where I was sitting there thinking, what am I doing? Why am I here? That's, and he called. And then he was just like, quit your job. And I'm like, okay, like, why not? Like, when else am I going to have this opportunity to work with, yeah. with an artist of this caliber? And I was like, this could go really great or this could go really bad, but either way, I won't regret this decision. So That's I put awesome. in my notice and four months later, I quit my job and started managing Trippy Red full time. So you were in New York when you, when you moved to LA? No, I was in Nashville. I was oh, you in, were Nash in Nashville. Vegas. Yes. The home of country and Christians. That's where I was. Cool, cool. And then um, what were some of the inflection points you think in, in your career with, with Trippy Red that kind of like got you guys closer uh, between like manager and uh, and the client? Well, so we're both from the same small town. We're both from Canton, Ohio. I've known his mom my entire life. And she called me January You said you've known his, his mom your entire life? Yeah, like I've known oh, wow. her like. Oh wow! It's Canton, right? Like it's Canton. You know, like she knows. She knows you just kind of said that, and I was like, "Wait, hold family. up, what?" Yeah, oh yeah, it's Canton. It's not like being in LA or New York, right? Where you just you only know people in the borough, right? Like it's Canton. Right. Everybody knows everybody, and so she's known me all my life. Like, and it's random. She just called me January 2018, and she goes, "My son is blowing up, and we need your help. I hear you work in the music industry." And I was like, I don't know who your son is. And she was like, Trippy Red. And I was like, Mm-mm, I don't, I don't know who that is. And oddly enough, I was in New York for the Grammys for, for work. And so I was just like, this is such a random call. And not to mention like three months prior, my grandfather had passed away October, 2017. And I remember being like, what is it you want to do with your life? Because my grandfather, before he passed, he told me how proud he was of me and like how he thought it was amazing that I was traveling the world and doing all these cool things. And he was just like, you know, don't stop. Just do whatever it is that you want to do. So I remember thinking maybe I should try artist management. And I had just finished reading um, an artist management book that December. So when she called me in January, I was like, yo, this is weird. But then in my mind, I was what like, was stay ready, Allen book? ready. You the know what I'm saying? So it was like, yeah. yes, yeah. it was. I read that yep. too. Yep. 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 <laughs> that was definitely it. Yep, that was the book. So I just finished it and I was just like, man, she's calling me. Like, it's so weird that she's calling me about this. And initially, um, one of Tripp's cousins was managing him. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. And Tripp was like, oh, I don't know, Charlene. So, you know, I don't want to work with her. Fast forward six months later, um, his mom said, just come out to, he was in Columbus at the time, just come out to Columbus, meet him, see if you catch a vibe and see if you guys connect. And I remember going in her house, she picks me up from the airport and he is sitting on the floor and he's going to kill me because mad people are going to listen to this podcast. But anyway, <laughs> he is sitting on the floor, legs folded up, playing video games in his boxers and look, she was like, hey, Charlene is here. And he looks at me and like, does this child like wave? And I was like, oh no, Mm-mm. this is a child. I got a whole career and a whole job. I'm not doing this. And so I was like, but you know, I'll be kind and polite since, you know, she invited me here. So um, 20 minutes later, his friends come in and they're like, hey, Trip, we're going to Walmart. Cause you know, like in Ohio, there's Walmart's the cool thing to do. (laughs) So they're like, hey, Tripp, we're going to Walmart. You want to come with us? And he's like, oh, let me get dressed. So he runs upstairs. He puts on all this designer shit and he's got the chains and the teeth. (laughs) 
And that kid levitates down those fucking stairs. And I was like, that's a star. I can do this. <laughs> so after that, like he and I just kind of vibed and connected that, that weekend. Um, one of the things that I asked him, which is what I ask any artist, um, is why do you want to do this? Mm. And I'm getting ready to tell y'all my secret. Lord knows now every artist is going to know what to say when they come up to me. But um, <laughs> he said, I just want people to hear what I have to say. I just want people to hear my art. And if it's only 20 people, then I'm cool with that. Cause I just have so much inside of me that needs to come out. And I was like, yo, let's do this. Cause in my mind, if any artist comes up to me and says, I want to do this for the money, then I'm going to tell them they should just go back to school and be a doctor or a lawyer. Cause you're guaranteed the money and mm-hmm. it's going to be more and it's going to be faster than this right. business. So yeah. So after we had those conversations, he gave me, I asked him what his goals were. He gave me four very, <laughs> uh, very high achieving goals, which one we already hit, um, which was debut number one on Billboard. Um, but the nice. other three. Congrats. Yeah, thank you. Uh, the other three were, he said, win a Grammy, which I feel like, okay. And then he said, I want to do 500,000 first week. I was like, uh, okay. And he was like, and I want either a project or a song to go diamond. And I was like, those last two is like stuff that Mariah Carey does. <laughs> but like the cool thing is like, fuck love just went six times platinum. And I yeah, like, looked at him the other day and was like, yo, do you know how like hard this is? Do you know that this shit is not attainable by people, especially in your generation in this streaming space? Like when there was physical product, hell yeah, you could you go diamond. Mm-hmm. But yeah. so six times platinum, it's so many more people have to listen to your music in order for that to happen. You know what I mean? It's it's like in order for one one record to be or for one song to count as a as a as a sale, it's like damn near probably whole city of Canton has to <laughs> listen to the song <laughs> in order for that to happen. So like that many record sales is ridiculous. And and one thing that I noticed that I also want to point out too about his answers to you is that one, he had goals and he was goal oriented. Mm-hmm. And I do think as a manager, that's something to work with. Um, Cause I, I, I heard vision when you said that. Yes. Mm-hmm. And two, the things, the reasons why he said he wanted to um, do music are like, they're infinite. So like money is, is a finite resource and right. saying that you want to do it for money. Like, well, what happens when you get money? What happens then? You know, but right. saying like, I have, I just want people to hear this message that I have and I have, you know, things to say that's so individualistic and unique to that person. And, you know, he's always going to be trippy red, you know? So like, that's definitely, that's, that's almost like inspiring to hear for sure. Just, I'm sure for, for other artists listening to this too, just kind of like the answers that he gave you were just like really impressive. So. Yeah. Especially since I, he had just turned 19 when I, when I met him and that for me, I knew he and I would be, would work very, very well together simply because he inspires me. Mm -hmm. Like it's, you know, a lot of times I find artists that want to work with managers. They think, you know, the managers are just supposed to make money and opportunity fall out of the sky. Right. And it's like, yeah, but you got to have skin in the game. And when he gave me those answers, I was like, man, this kid is going to work as hard on the creative side as I am on the business side, which Mm -hmm. we're going to be unstoppable together because just based on the answers that he gave me, 
this is, he really, really wants to do this. So Mm -hmm. for me, it inspires me to go out and grind and hustle and bring every opportunity and that much harder for him because I know that he's working just as hard on the creative side. Right. Yeah. No, that's amazing and inspiring and snow helps each other snowball. So in in that vein, like when you think about like working hard on the business side, like as, as a manager, how do you think about splitting up your focus? I mean, I know there's a lot of different things pulling at your attention, and especially as you start to develop more credibility as a manager and just with your artists and with Trippy Red himself, like there's no shortage of interesting opportunities. So it's how do you go about like prioritizing where you put your time and your efforts? Wow, that's a great question. Um, having a team is pivotal, right? Because mm-hmm. there's so many different things that can grab my attention. And there are some things that end up bearing fruit and some not so much. Um, so what I try to do, we, I did bring on other managers to help out because once we did get that goal of debuting number one on billboard top 200, I don't know why I thought like it was going to slow down a little bit. (laughs) I don't know why I'm like, Oh, it's going to, it's going to slow down. We're going into Christmas. It's going to, my phone was ringing (laughs) And that's when I had to decide as a manager, which was, you know, a difficult decision because even, you know, my peers have asked me like, how is it, you know, we partner with Maverick um, Managing Trip as well as um, Peter, who used to manage Juice World. He's now, um, he's with grade A, but they said, you know, you got like, I don't know, six, seven other managers now. How is that? And I'm like, you know what? It's a balancing act, but I spread, you know, there's enough of us that there's enough work to go around. But more people were just asking like, yo, you went from being solely in control to, you know, having partners. And I'm like, yeah, I don't have an ego. And Mm -hmm. it was for the greater good of my artist. That -hmm. was the best decision I made for Trippy. That has nothing to do with me. Could I sit back and get all the shine and get all the clout and take all the, you know, the responsibility and drive myself to drink every single day like I do? But... um, (laughs) (laughs) Like, no, if I could take him to the next level and build a team around it, then why wouldn't I do that for the sake of me, you know, not having the one notoriety of being his only manager? Like, fuck yeah. Like, it's not about me. It's about him. Like, I'm everything, every decision that I make is to increase his business. And then with this partnership, they're so dope. You know, we work with G Roberson and Gene Nelson. I mean, vets in the game. It's helping to elevate me as a manager as well. So there's times, you know, as a manager, you got to put that ego aside and just see what's the best decision for your artist. So with that, I've been able to be able to manage all the different moving pieces, parts, and then grow my own company as well, because I do have that help and that assistance. Right, right. So um, I have a, I want to talk about the the number one uh, on billboard. But before I do that, I just want to, I just want to talk about, um, you know, what, what are the things that you looked for when you were looking for other managers to work with? Like, what are, what are some of the things that you felt were important in, in getting partners? Mm, That's a great question. I was looking for people to challenge me, Mm -hmm. right? Like, could I have gotten a group of individuals that think just like me? Mm-hmm. Sure. But where's, where's the fun in that, right? How is that going to grow me? How is that going to grow Trippy's brand and his business? So I really looked for people that, you know, had experience, had a proven track record, 
had the same values in terms of integrity. Um, cause you know, this business can be, mm. um, so that was important to me, but on the flip side of that, I also wanted people that were going to come in and challenge me and not just yes, ma'am, me to death. Like, and just say, oh, Charlene, we think you're great. That's great. That's me. No, like I'm, we sometimes get into arguments over stuff as a team on our calls. And it's like, it's amazing to me because I'm like, yo, everybody is passionate and the goal is trip and expanding his business. But then on the flip right. side of it, we're all hella cool. And it's also just to expand and grow us as managers as well. So I definitely wanted to be challenged, but I definitely wanted to work with people that had the same uh, core values and then the vision, you know, Trip came to me with a vision. So it was important to me to work with others that had a vision for him as well. And then um, I guess just one more question before we get into Billboard. Like, what do you think is the biggest thing that has challenged you so far when, uh, when you've gotten these partners? Like one thing that kind of changed uh, after you started working with them, whether that's the way you approach certain situations, the way you think about your career or. Mm. I think in the beginning, I thought, wow, these people are going to come in and the work is going to be alleviated. Just <laughs> 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 going to magically, my job is going to get way easier. <laughs> but there are, um, there is, what is it called? The four what is it called? The four steps of forming an organization. So it's forming, storming, norming, and performing, right? So forming is when you come together. Storming is when you're trying to figure out the groove and get to know everyone and get to know the vibe and how everybody works. And then norming is when it's like, okay, we're all cohesive and we're all one band, one sound. And then performing is when it's like, it's working and we're taking it to the next level. Mm-hmm. I forgot that those are the four stages of like a team. That's what it is. Four stages of a team. So that storming part, I was like, oh no, oh, oh no, 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 no. I listen <laughs> everyone. This is too much going on. This is supposed to be easier. <laughs> and, and I feel like we're now, because we've been working together for a couple of months now during COVID really flipped everything on the side of its head. But uh-huh. we're at the ending phase of uh, the storming part. So we're getting into norming. And that was the hardest part, forgetting that we were going to storm as a group. Uh-huh. I really just thought that they were going to come in like black saviors and save me. <laughs> <laughs> And make it and make it so much easier instantly. And that's not exactly what happened. But even through the storming phase, I learned a lot about myself. I mm-hmm. learned a lot about my individual business, which they've helped speak into and pour into as well. Um, and I've learned a lot about them as individuals and how to be a better manager. And I've learned a lot about trip in this process and I've come out, you know, stronger. And we all are like, we call ourselves Voltron at this point. That's another little, (laughs) I'm probably talking way too much on this podcast. No, it's cool. (laughs) (laughs) And they, and you know, they need you, you know, your, your essence is kind of in addition to your artists is what they're attracted to also, you know? So, um, as much as it seems like these people can save you, they can't until, until you're there. It seems like, you know, until you're present, until you're active. So, um, sure. cool. So yeah, let's get into, let's get into uh, a love letter to you for the number one record in the country. 
how did I guess just like how did that happen? What's what's some of the big moments that that led to that, and what do you think were some of the successes in uh, getting to that moment? Um, a breakup. <laughs> not mine a uh a breakup definitely uh was inspo um because you know young love and teenage angst and all those things and so getting to that point creatively and then just kind of i watched trip come into his own and that was we had been together for a year at that point so I'm watching him grow and develop and I'm teaching him the business as well. I'm teaching him all the, the back end things that he didn't know, but I'm still making sure he's a creative and he's creating. I don't let him know all the details and the minutia, but, um, and then just empowering him to make the music that he wanted to make and not necessarily make things. Cause he was coming to me like, okay but is this song, are are the fans going to like this? And are are they going to like this song? And I was like, listen, fans come and go. But you said to me, the reason why you do this is because you have something to say. So what do you have to say? Like, just talk about it. How do you feel right now? Like, what are the things that, you know, are on your heart and on your mind? And he was just like, well, you know, I'm always in my feelings. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> we'll get in the studio and talk about always being <laughs> in your feelings. Like, no matter whether or not he's in a relationship, by the way, he always makes heartbreak music. And like, <laughs> I'm always in my feelings too. I'm like, so we are just together, always in our feelings. So I'm like, this is so great. This is so good. And so a lot of the songs that he actually had on the album were, he so like even right now we're we're working on multiple projects but he will have like i don't know we probably have five or six projects worth of music right now because the kid doesn't stop working Uh so he went on he did his first headline tour the top of last year when he came off tours when he started recording music um but he was also recording for exclamation mark that came out two months prior so he picked Mm. a group of songs for that and then a breakup and then it just kicked him into I need to focus on my bag and I just watched this kid be in the studio I mean he was in the studio recording and it was just him and the engineer the engineer's falling asleep everyone in the studio is passed out and he's just cranking out all these songs and I just remember even getting with our creative director Aiden Cullen who we were introduced to through um Trips Label 10k Projects when he came, he heard the music and he came to us with this vision. And I was like, yo, let's do it. Like we, Trip has never done anything. We've never done an album cover like this before. We've never done a photo shoot like this before. Like these, I just told Trip, whatever you feel, let's just do it. Let's just do it. And then if it doesn't work, then okay. But I want this project to really have your stamp and your say so and your creative direction on it. And I'm going to tweak it and push it. And, you know, I was on the back end doing all the, making sure we had all the connects with the DSPs and, all the good things. And I just remember the day that the album came out, I looked at Tripp and I was like, how do you feel? And he was like, I feel good. And I was like, me too. Everything that we wanted, because we actually, I forgot to mention this, we had kind of like a checklist. It wasn't a formal written down one, but we had a checklist of the things that we wanted, the big, like wishful things. Like he wanted the Spotify billboard in Times Square. 
like stuff like that. All the things that he wanted and all the things that I wanted from a business standpoint, we got, mm-hmm. we did it. So when the album came out, we were like, we feel good. No matter what happens, we feel really, really good about this project. And if we had to do it all over again, we would do it the exact same way. And there was something about that content mm-hmm. that I think just fueled, because when we found out the project was number one, we were in Australia. Trip was doing a festival run out in Australia. And so, you know, we heard, I believe Coldplay's album had dropped and the Frozen 2 soundtrack. And I was like, oh, okay, we about to be number three. It's like, <laughs> these kids about to stream the hell out of Frozen. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know if Adina Menzel's on this one, but <laughs> I know it's about, to, it's about to go. And, but it was like, we were cool, right? Because we was just like, yeah, everything yeah. that we wanted, we accomplished, he accomplished everything creatively. I accomplished everything on the business, so we were good. And then right. we get that phone call from Elliot Grange and he calls us and goes, you guys, the album is number one. And he was like, son official. And I literally broke down crying. And Trip was like, get the fuck away from me. I did it within a year and three months. I'm the greatest man ever. <laughs> Don't you understand? And he was just like, oh my God. And so then he gets on the phone with Elliot. And I was like, how do you feel now? He was like, mm, the same. I was like, okay, okay, whatever. You're just as happy as me. I'm just crying all over the place. and You're just trying to keep it cool. So That's amazing. That's fun. Full circle moment. I think it just added nothing but more fuel to the fire and uh, continue to move the goalposts for more ambitious goals. Yes. Yes, it has. I don't know how I'm going to pull off this 500000 in the first week, especially with these new bundle rules. Thanks, Billboard. <laughs> but it's going to happen, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. One thing that you mentioned in that story, too, is that uh, kind of in your experience and working with him as a manager, like you you did want to make sure he didn't get too caught up in the minutia and the, the little things. So you could focus on being creative. But you did also say, too, that you kind of, helped him get a better understanding of kind of the the business side of this whole game. Can you talk about certain things? I know you have a lot of experience working with not only with Trippy, but in the label world. What are are, are specific things that you think are really important for artists to be aware of so they don't get in positions where they get taken advantage of by the industry? Mm. First and foremost, you, aside from, this is what I've recommended to quite a few artists because a lot of artists want to jump in and get a manager immediately. But to me, the most important person on your team and the one that you need that's the closest relationship with is your lawyer. Like that is the person that that is going to make sure or supposed to make sure that you're okay. And you're not signing yourself into slavery or anything crazy like that. Um, So for me, like definitely making sure you have a great lawyer, you have someone that you can trust. Um, and you have someone that's going to pick, because I mean, I call my lawyer, I don't know, every three days, because even though I don't have a law degree there, I do look at contracts. And what I have learned is there's one word in a sentence that really can change the whole level of the, the contract, just in that one sentence. So I always call and, and ask questions about 
our contracts and things like that. Um, so for me, like any, any artist that's, you know, up and coming or, you know, wanting to get in this game, get a dope lawyer. Like that's, that's definitely key. Um, what I learned, what definitely helped me in my role, especially with trips releases is just having the background that I had in the digital account management. Um, there is a lot of artists, up and coming artist managers that ask me if I have an opportunity, should I work for a label? Why? Or why not? And, you know, sometimes people tend to think like the labels, this big, bad, you know, entity. But if you have an opportunity before you jump into the artist management game or while you're in the artist management game to work for a label for about two years, do it. Because having that experience to see what happened, knowing what production has to go through and what those deadlines look like and what they actually have to do to make sure everything is on the DSPs, knowing a marketing plan inside and out and what goes into that and what goes in the budgets, knowing the A&R process and a production budget, that shit, you'll learn it as an artist manager, but knowing it from the label side looks completely different. So it's almost like me having that experience, I knew what to ask for when I went into those meetings and said, you know, Trip wants to do this, 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 and this. I could push back because I know what the label can do and what they can't. And I do know that if an artist goes into a, much like when I had my boardroom conference meeting where everyone was like, no, 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 no. They'll shut you down when you work inside of a label, right? There's so much red tape. But if the artist goes in there and asks for things, they're going to make it happen. And I knew that coming from inside the label. Right. So there were just so many different things that helped take our project to the next level. And on the flip side, our relationship with my relationship with the label and uh, our distributor, who's Caroline, we have an appreciation for each other. They love and respect me because I come from the label side and they know I know what it takes. So mm-hmm. when they need things turned in and when they need, you know, quick turnarounds and things like that, I got their back because I worked at a label and I know what that is about. So working at a label was to me, you know, I thought I was going to be she diddy and I was going to run bad boy and then <laughs> for that. But working for a label for me was so pivotal because I just learned how to run a label basically how to run that business. Cause I had so many different roles. I did operations management. I was an admin when I first got my foot in the door. So that was probably, that was the most valuable experience. And again, any up and coming artist manager, I would recommend for sure. Like if you can work at a label for a year or two, do it. Cause you're going to learn so much and you're going to be so valuable to your artist and to the label. Yeah. No, that's amazing. And I feel like, I mean, one thing that's I'm sure has been interesting too, is like how marketing has evolved. I mean, you mentioned the marketing plans within labels and seeing and and kind of making decisions when it comes to allocating marketing budgets and putting some here, some there. I'm sure like the allocations and, and how even just what a marketing plan looks like today versus even like a year or two ago, like it's changing like every every damn day. With that said, like, where, where do you see uh, when you think about like marketing releases right now, or maybe even thinking about back to some of the, the recent releases that have had really a uh, very successful reception, like 
what to you are, are like the strong components or areas of focus when it comes to not only marketing music, but marketing artists and just building a, like such a, a thriving and massive fan base? Man. So the cool thing about coming from the Christian and gospel space, there's like, you have your budget is like a dollar, right? Mm-hmm. Like now pop hip hop is like, oh, money to throw around Christian and gospel. Like, look, you got this one dollar. Half of it has to go to Jesus. So having that, like, I know how to stretch a dollar in a budget. I know how to make stuff go. I know how to make opportunities happen without even using money because we had to think about it on that side. So that was a blessing that I got from that role. Um, Now, I mean, someone just asked me the other day, they're going to start managing an up and coming artist. And they were like, you know, what do you recommend? And I'm like, well, shit, seven months ago, I would say hop on a tour. Those don't exist right now. So it's a way of finding and connecting with a fan base that, you know, you're not going to see on a stage. So how do you think outside the box? What does like marketing now looks so different because I'm just thinking about Brandy's release, for example, and how she did good morning America from her home, you know, like good morning America, you know, GMA, everybody is like, you can't wait to go to New York and stand out there with the fans and perform on the stage, but that doesn't even look the same anymore. So, you know, marketing now just looks completely different and it is trying to find, and I mean, I'm, I'm hesitating on answering this because it, it's, you know, we're trying to figure out what do we do? You know, how do we market a release? Um, content is definitely key. It's always been key, but now that everyone is on their computers and it's not just any content, right? You could put out any music video. You could do any sort of live stream from home, but everyone is doing that. So how do you do it differently? How do you do mm-hmm. it better? How do you do it in a way that's engaging? Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that I do feel like when everyone went on TikTok and created a TikTok account during quarantine, it was like, man, but everyone's doing this, but it's content, you know? So trying to market in this world is very, very different, but it can be done because, okay, prime example, I'm sitting here saying, okay, if I was an up and coming artist, you need to hop on a tour. Um, Mm -hmm. Tours don't happen. So whose live stream can you open for? Mm -hmm. Live stream. You know what I'm saying? Like who, who can you say, like, I think Meg Thee Stallion has a big live stream coming up on Saturday. If I was an up and coming artist and this would be a long shot, but I would try it. Um, I would definitely try to reach out to management and be like, can I get 15 seconds or 30 seconds before, like, just so I can play a song or is there an intermission? Is there something that I can do where I can get in front of her fans? Of course, you want to make sure that your brands and your music is going to connect with her fans. You know, I wouldn't recommend if you're a country artist to go before Meg Thee Stallion and before she does WAP, <laughs> Worship and Praise. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's just those little nuances and finding those opportunities and seeing, look at how many artists are going on Instagram Live right now. Seeing if you can jump on a live with an artist. Yeah, it's a long shot, but a lot of them are doing it. Hey, Tori Lanez was doing it for months. 
Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just, or even asking, all these ideas are coming randomly out of nowhere. Um, just asking D-Nice if you can hop in on one of his DJ sets. I would literally try anything. The sky is the limit and the worst that That's can happen awesome. if someone says no. That's yeah, it. it's, it's, um, it's funny you're, you know, you're coming up with all these ideas because the, the best managers that I've worked with, I feel like find the cracks in the foundation of like kind of, the field that they're in. So like if an artist says like, I want to be number one on the billboard 200 for an album, it's not like, Oh wow, that's a lot. That's a really big lofty goal. It's like, let's find all the ways we can sneak up the ladder in order for that to happen. Cause it's not going to be in front of you. You know, it's yep. going to be right left behind you under you. That's those are the paths that you have to look at too. So that's like super dope um, that you say that. Speaking of, um, what do you think of some of the things that you've been able to take advantage of, or um, what are some of the things that have been able to allow his fan base to be like so engaged? Like, what do you think some of the keys and how he's just built that relationship with his fan base? One of the things I remember telling him very early on is because I I witnessed it, right? Apparently I was like, I'm bitten by the artist management bug before I knew it. But I watched mm-hmm. how Cardi B was unapologetically herself. Mm-hmm. I mean, I watched this woman talk about why she didn't want to get her teeth fixed. Like, cause she's just I like, I followed her on Twitter better. before yeah, all like, of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I follow her on Twitter like, before what? all of that. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> she is saying the wildest shit, but yo, she is being herself and people are eating it up. And I was like, there's something to that, right? Like, I feel like gone are the days where we can manufacture an artist, right? Where we can teach them how to dance, teach them how to sing, teach them stage presence, teach them, you know, media coaching and things like that. All of those things are still important. However, what will connect your fan base the most is being yourself. Like, trip and being a creative, Trippy tends to second guess himself sometimes. He's like, should I put up this video of me dancing to Ray J's one wish in the rain. <laughs> and like everyone around him be like, oh no, nah, man, that's why I'm like, fuck yeah, put that shit up. That shit's funny as hell. Cause who else is doing that right now? <laughs> and then next thing you know, he posts stuff like that and people think, it, I mean, he is so funny. He's hilarious. So I'm just like, just be yourself. Don't try to be anything else. Like you being you is how you got your fans and that's how you connect it. So for any artist, you know, everyone has quirks for humans. And I feel like Mm -hmm. more people now know their quirks now more than ever because of COVID. We've had to be like stuck in the house and look at ourselves and deal with ourselves day in and day out. Everyone has quirks. Everyone has flaws. Embrace them. Be you. Be unapologetic to be you. That's that's the thing that I feel like took Cardi to the next level because she was unashamed of who she she knew she was crazy and wild and she thinks right. of the wildest shit and she's still like people still connected because she's so real and it's so raw and it's not like she's trying to be anybody else. So that was the advice that I gave Trippy. I just said, be you, do you. And some people are going to love it. Some people are going to hate it, but who cares? As long as you're being true to yourself, that's all that matters. Right. That actually answers sort of one of my next questions, which was like, how do you develop and grow the brand of, of Trippy Red? How much of it comes from him? How much of it comes from you? But from what you just said, it sounds like you uh, you do a lot of validation and a lot of extracting what he maybe not, maybe doesn't already know about himself. 
and saying, it's okay to show this side. You know what I'm saying? So um, it's sort of like taking his, the elements of him as a person and being like, well, what if we just do this times 10? Cause it's still you, but right. let's just try to put it on the main stage in like a real way, you know? Right. Um, and even so being super, able to do that, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off. Even be able to do no, that, like on the business side, right? Mm-hmm. Like when I'm watching someone be like Gucci down <laughs> every day, I'm like, perhaps we should get you involved in fashion week. <laughs> And he's like, oh my God, that'd be great. You know, but just paying attention, (laughs) right? Just being, just being present and being engaged with him and just seeing, you know, he plays video games. So I'm just like, okay, taking notes of the things that he likes to do and the things that, you know, when he's not working, when he's not creating music, I'm watching him be a whole character. So I'm like, "Mm, film and TV. Like, would you want to get into acting? And he's like, I would love that. So it's just, you know, paying attention to that side of it too. Like pulling out who he is in his brand, but also looking at the bigger picture of what else is his brand that he may not even be aware of yet. Yeah, that's amazing. Right. And I mean, in that vein too, like I know Trippie, it was on Dave on Hulu. How did, can you talk a little bit about how that kind of came together? I mean, you even just mentioned like acting, one thing leads to another. Yes. So it's so funny because no one, again, me being around him for the last two years, I know how much of a great actor and clown he is. He's just so funny. Um, But that opportunity literally just came out of nowhere uh, through a friend. And they were like, Scooter Braun meets one. I was like, who? is looking for someone and i was like we're available (laughs) that reminds me of trippy red calling you and being like yo you got to move to la now it's like scooter braun wants us all right we're there we're available (laughs) we're available right now and i believe at the time i got the phone call i was in nashville because i was actually uh, packing up to move to la so i was trying to you know living in between the two places and i Mm. called trip and i was like what are you doing? He was like, I am in the studio working right now. I was like, uh-huh. You're about to be on this TV show. He was like, oh, what was the address? Let me go. I was like, <laughs> so, because we, we have been talking about it and the thing that I love, you know, about Trippy that he actually taught me about myself was the power of manifestation. Like, yeah. I literally have watched this kid talk about <sighs> randomly he was talking about Dennis Rodman. I want to meet Dennis Rodman. <laughs> and I was just like, what? Like, I just remember just being like, what? That is the most random thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> a week later, who do we meet at Rolling Loud? Dennis Rodman. <laughs> and I was just like, this is insane. Or we did, a, we did a radio interview. This was August of last year. And they said, who would you like to collab with? And I have the list in in my mind, like I'm like Lil Wayne, you know, going through. And he was like right. Katy Perry, and I was like, excuse <laughs> me, who? We walk out of the radio station, and who's standing right there, out of the out of the booth? Katy Perry, and I was like, this shit is wild, man. Like, so this <laughs> manifest stuff. So we had just been talking about him acting but no one knew that that's you know it was literally like me him and like a couple other people were just talking about him acting and so when we got the call from dave i was just like hey little dicky has his show he's like yes yes what's the address and i was like we just talked about this last week and it's happening so the power of manifestation is so real because i watch him do it 
all the time. And so I just started doing it. I just started calling forth all these millions. Have them one day, y'all. <laughs> there we go. I love it. I need, I need to do that more. Often. I'll be right there with you, Charlene. We all need to do it. Right? We all right. have millions. I want millions. They mind. I just gotta find them. Right? They just, just out. They're out there. Trust me. They're trying to find me too. They're trying to yeah, find love, you too. I love that. So one of the the questions we have I mean, now that we're coming toward the end uh, is on the side of like. What do you feel separates like good managers from great managers? I mean, we, we would consider you to be a great manager, but even in, when you're dealing with other people too, like maybe to, to you, you're inspired and you mentioned surrounding yourself with people that you feel are better than you. So like, what do you see as these traits that differentiate the, the great managers from the good ones? Also just want to shout out uh, Brady from our Patreon for submitting the last question about how did, how did uh, you get involved with Dave? So just want to shout Jordan, him out real Jordan quick. Jordan always got to plug the Patreon. Gotta, gotta make, no, I just got to make sure that people know that they are appreciated and that they are valued. And when they send us questions, we do ask them. So yeah, no. listen, that's linked to your millions. Um. Yeah. I think the same, like when I said I asked Tripp, you know, what some of his goals were and had he said money, um, I find the difference between great managers and good managers are, you know, who's passionate about what they do. You know, if you're just doing there, I mean, there's some dope managers that make a shit ton of money, um, but are they happy? You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if they're passionate about it. Um, so for me, it is, are you passionate? Do you want to do this outside of making money? Cause again, like if your income is dependent on what your artist does, right? What opportunities you bring to them and that can change, especially, you know, you're dealing with a creative trip, just like trip called me and told me to quit my job and move to LA trip can call me today and say, I'm done making music. And then what? So I have to find, you know, more opportunities in other artists. So I do feel like the art, the managers also that can pivot. Um, this is a very ever-changing industry that we're in. I mean, no one could have predicted COVID and how it would change the face of our industry and how a lot of our friends would be affected, especially in the live music and touring space. Um, so just finding someone, a great manager typically is one that can pivot on a dime, um, has a great attitude, loves what they do. Um, passionate, man, I think that's, yeah. And, and can wear many a hats Mm -hmm. because sometimes, you know, I am mom, sister, therapist, assistant, like there is not a job right. that I have not done in this role. And, you know, sometimes I don't want to be assistant on one day, but if it's to help my artists get to the next level in that moment, right. I'm going to do it because I, right. I got to put my ego aside and I'm going to make sure he's good. So I feel like great managers have that attitude. They have that positive attitude and there's not, there's not much of the ego and it's not about, me it's about the artist my artist is supposed to be the famous one not me right right i only have like two thousand 
1,000, what, 1,000, 2,000? I don't know. I have a couple <laughs> Instagram followers. He has 11 million. <laughs> so it's like, you know, and that's okay for me. I don't want 11 mm-hmm. million. Oh my gosh. Sometimes <laughs> I have to post for him and I'm like, my hand is shaking. I'm like, oh my gosh, is there a typo? Did I, do, do I sound like him? Is it, is it, oh gosh, just put it up. And is he going to yell at me like that? That stuff, I'm not cut out for this, that fame. He is though. And that's awesome. Right, yeah, right. No, yeah, sometimes amazing. I look at the amount of likes on like popular Instagram accounts that I follow and I'll mm-hmm. see them and I'll be like, yo, 1.6 million people like this. Like that's twice as big as Baltimore, like where I'm from. <laughs> like, or like, yo, 600,000 people like this. Like, yo, that's a small city. It's like, yo, it's, it's crazy the right. reach that people have now, you know? Yes. And it, it's scary. That's scary to me. <laughs> you know, I, I told you I came from Canton. This is a small town. I think we got like right. 100,000 people. Like, Maybe that, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, like that, you said, that is, he, you know, he's got something to say. So yeah. um, he's just consistently saying it to to everybody who listens to his music, which is awesome, and everyone who follows him on Instagram. So that's great. And so um, do you, Charlene? Yeah, preach it. We <laughs> yeah, appreciate it that's so 2000 much. Two thousand too. Yeah. You know, we appreciate. You probably <laughs> appreciate them too. You know, <laughs> you know, they, hey, they, they want. They think I have something to say. I don't know. <laughs> Some days it right. is not a good thing to say, but you know. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, well, I appreciate them. And we're super grateful for having you on today. I think it's been an incredible journey watching all that you've accomplished too. And I think it's still very much the early days. So I'm very excited to see what comes next. Oh, thank y'all both so much. This was so much fun. Yeah, I just feel yeah. like I'm on like a dope like zoom that I don't want to get off of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but reality's calling, aka know, Trippy like, Red. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. like literally for an hour, like self-destruct. You just see a text from him that's an address. <laughs> like, oh yeah. damn, I'm late. <laughs> and now I'm like, I gotta pull up. Damn. <laughs> uh, amazing. Well thank you so much, Charlene. Thank you both so much. It's been awesome. Thank you. Damn, that was good, man. Really enjoyed speaking with her. I think her like charisma, her drive, definitely could sense and feel the success even through the, the Zoom teleconference. So, <laughs> She's getting her else? millions. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> she is in her bag. So <laughs> I, I think what I also enjoyed too is, I mean, really just her telling the story when she first met Trippy Red and how she kind of at first was a little hesitant, but then once she went, once he started coming down the stairs with the with the sauce, she was like, "Oh, that's it. This man is a star." So uh-huh. I think being able to have that ability and, and see that, and just I think the the steps that happened after that, uh, such a beautiful story. I, just to reiterate, too, another clear thing that I really loved was that they are very vocal about setting and accomplishing clear goals. It has largely created the, the foundation for them to succeed as a partnership. So I think whether you're an artist, a manager, a label, marketer, whatever it is, uh, amongst your teams, with your artists, making sure you have very clear goals that are measurable, specific, uh, kind of tie it to a specific time frame can be really, really valuable in setting you up to succeed. What do you think, Jordan? Yeah, I thought it was a great episode, man. I think it was extremely fun. I'm sure people have turned down the podcast a couple of times because I laughed so loud, but that's just how fun the conversation was. Um, One thing I thought was super interesting that she spoke on was, like you're saying, not just goals, but Trippy Red's motivations. Um, I think his motivations, like she said, not revolving around money, 
more so revolving around being heard and realizing that you have something to say, I think it makes his hustle timeless and it puts her in a place where she can actually do her best work. So I think we saw that in the way their relationship is and how natural it is and how they interact with each other. I think that derives from Trippy Red's motivations and in addition to Charlene's expertise and her charisma. So it's just really great to hear, um, you know, what that relationship is like. And I think it'll inspire a lot of other managers to have similar conversations with their clients. If you enjoyed this podcast, go ahead and share it with a friend. Copy the link, text it to a friend, post it in your group chat, post it in your Slack groups, wherever you and your people talk, spread the word. That's how Traffalo continues to grow and continues to reach the right people. While you're at it, if you use Apple Podcasts, go ahead, rate the podcast, give it a high rating, and leave a review. Tell people why you like the podcast. That helps more people discover the show. Thank you in advance. Talk to you next week.